Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. You can follow me on Instagram at Scavendish as well. If you like this show, you can rate it. You, you can review it. You can subscribe to it. You can smash that subscribe button. Always do that. But mostly, just tell somebody you know that you listen to Lamestream Sports. They should too. Sort of a different show today. Not one interview, but two. There was an NIL event called NIL Elite Series put on by On3 uh, this week in Nashville, where they invited 25, 30-ish of the top recruits in the 2024 recruiting class to come to a media event that also is sort of like an NFL rookie-style symposium about brand building, managing money, managing NIL opportunities, and sort of the entire NIL world. Meanwhile, Steve, we also have SEC coaches running their mouths about everything down in Destin, Mostly, including NIL and all the concerns and problems with tampering and the, and, and, <laughs> and the portal. So I had an opportunity to head down. They, they invited me to the event. I went down there, had an opportunity to sit down with Shannon Terry, of course, the CEO and founder of On3, also 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. So we've got about 15 minutes with Shannon about the point of the event, the point of On3 and what they're doing differently from just media and where college football could be going. Uh, really interesting quotes from him about the future of the sport in terms of how it's aligned and how it's the actual divisions. Um, and then Grant Furking, if you know his name, if you're a Tennessee fan, you probably do. This is a young man who started his own business at like 16 years old, uh, a landscaping company, was the CEO of a multi-million dollar business as a walk-on wide receiver at the University of Tennessee. And until July 1st, 2021, I believe, when NIL went into effect, was not even allowed to talk about the fact that he was a multi-million dollar CEO at his own company. Uh, so a very uniquely positioned individual to describe business and athletics. And so he has sold his company and is now part of On3, putting together again what is essentially a, an NIL symposium, including guests like Kirk Herbstreet and, and Olivia Dunn, the really famous LSU gym, gymnast who's made a fortune in NIL. And so what you're going to hear from both of those guys, Steve, Shannon's going to talk the business of all of this. And Grant is going to sort of give you the locker room athlete perspective that I think is very, very important. So you're going to hear both of those interviews today on the show. Great. I look forward to hearing them. <laughs> I I was not at the symposium. <laughs> I've, I have actually listened to the interviews, so, however, and uh, it's interesting. We we have much to talk about here. So. Yes, and so we'll we'll have a little conversation following Shannon's interview, kind of about what he talks about. Then we'll have a conversation following Grant's interview about what he talks about as well. However, before we do any of that, of course, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by these fine folks at Jaspers. It is. It's still, in fact, brought to you by Jaspers. And just a quick shout out to Jaspers, which I guess would also be considered an advertisement. They've been on board with Lamestream Sports for like almost two years now, almost three years. And we appreciate their support for, for Lamestream Sports. So just making people in, in Nashville smarter and or more gossipy about media. I'm not sure which one it is. Thanks, Jasper. You you, uh, you don't have anything you want them to take off the menu this week? Nope. Just I think any, you should charge. I think anything else. Of, any other hot takes about what you think they're doing wrong? <laughs> Go back and listen to last week if you have no idea what Steve's talking about. No, I, 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 I instead Just of having the temperature, instead of having drink specials on mint juleps, I think they should double the price. But that's just me. Overcharge, wow. overcharge for mint juleps. A mint uh, julep tax. <laughs> yes, and then put it towards my children's education. Uh, thank you, Jasper, for being such a great partner uh, of Lamestream Sports. We really do appreciate uh, all your support. So go to Jasper's Free Parking, great menu. You guys know the drill. Okay, you're going to hear from Grant Furking a little bit later on. Again, former walk-on at Tennessee, business person, business owner, no longer, but a part of this On3 NIL Elite Series. Uh, and uh, But we'll start with Shannon Terry. Shannon Terry has launched Rivals. He has launched 24-7. He sold both of them. He has now launched On3. They're running a lot of the same play, but a lot of different plays as well. Uh, a very new playbook, and Shannon will explain a lot of that and where the future of college football is heading from a business standpoint. And a media standpoint, here was my conversation with On3 CEO, Shannon Terry. In your own words, kind of explain the, the NIL Elite Series and sort of the goal behind it and the purpose behind it and what you want to try to accomplish with it. Yeah, when we got together and we started talking about whether we're going to do another media company, and it, you know, it wasn't something we took lightly. It wasn't like a lot of people think that, oh, we're just going to do another one for the sake of it. It was... It was it was some hard conversations. Um, the reasons that, that we, we said we're going to move forward with this is because we saw a complete change in college sports happening. 
Uh, it was very clear it was a conflation of every event you could think of, whether it was conference realignment, uh, NIL, all the things. And so it was very obvious the trajectory of college sports was was where it needed to be. And so that got our attention. That said, there are no pure plays in college sports right now. Uh, then we started looking at ways that we could serve the market that was different than what we had done in the past. And the thing that really kind of, you know, I had a lot of conversations, a lot of people I respect, close friends with Herb Street, we started talking about it. And one of the platforms that we really wanted to be about um, was was service, education uh, for the athlete. You know, from my position, you know, 27 years, rivals 24-7 sports and on three now, think of the number of elite pro players we've seen all the way through. And it was very clear that there were common denominators of the ones that went on to have either, you know, whether it was short-term or long-term successful professional careers as, as athletes, but also were successful in business, you know, as entrepreneurs and media. There were common denominators out there. And we have had such a connection with these athletes, but for all these years, we've never done anything about it. And so um, NIL you know, rankings in the past was interesting. I, you know, all these athletes wanted to be ranked. And it was kind of a handshake. Hey, we know your rivals. We know you're 24-7. Thanks for ranking. But it wasn't like an engagement. It wasn't a conversation. NIL with ranking, with all the other things, really opened the door for us to have an engaged relationship, you know, with, with the athlete. And so the timing was right. NIL Elite Series, you know, is is a pure education play for us. You know, so, you know, we threw it out there. We said we're going to keep it really small. We, you know, we invited, I think, like 33 of, of the really what we think are the top athletes in this class. We had like 31 of the 33 commit. I think we had two no-shows today, and that's it. Uh, and it's, I think, something that we're going to do two or three times different parts of the United States each year. And it's really an opportunity for us to sit down with these parents, these athletes, and really give them a real pragmatic, take a deep breath. This isn't about going out and grabbing the bag, you know, as they say, but really just talking about the holistic part of being a student athlete and an entrepreneur. So what, what kind of questions um, when you get down to these conversations? Because obviously, you know, everyone wants to be ranked. You know, we've been doing this for 25 years now. It seems to be getting better and better and more accurate and more accurate, of course, as, as we evolve. But what are the questions that they're asking? I mean, certainly athletes need to be careful of predatory practices from the business side of things. Like we, we know that there are companies that are trying to put language into contracts. The contracts themselves are incredibly opaque. We're not seeing a lot of transparency outwardly. It's hard to get your hands on them uh, just in terms of media and, and, and fans to understand like what's actually happening. So what are athletes asking you? What are parents asking you? What are the things that they are concerned about when it comes to the NIL stuff? You know, I, it's going to be interesting as we open the conversation uh, up tomorrow. But I, but I think the thing that that what we want to do to, with these athletes is understand something. You know, the last draft class, 80% of the five stars were drafted. Okay, over the last five years, that number is about 69 or 70%. So for the most part, everyone in this room tomorrow is going to have a long play opportunity, you know, which is, which is, say, different. And so we want them to slow down and understand and play the long game, you know. And so – while the money aspect of it is important, it's actually probably the the least fa- the the least factor right now. Opportunity for financial literacy, you know, f- for them could be generational. You know, the conversations I have with pro athletes is like I was on my second contract before I had a freaking clue what was going on. So these athletes now they're going to go to an accounting class or they're going to go to a business class and they're going to they're they're going to YouTube things. We're going to speed them up by, by, by a decade. The second thing we want to implore upon them is when they're wearing that jersey number, okay, they have a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to build relationships to donors, to, to influential people in that institution that will change their life. You know, I, I've worked 30 years in media. You know, my family didn't go to school. Uh, I've worked 30 years in media to have the opportunity to meet some of the influential people that I meet now, they get that by stamping on that campus. It took me, it took me, you know, 30 years. 
And so I want them to understand those types of things and the importance of how to conduct their business and balance being a student, being an athlete, and being an entrepreneur. The biggest questions that they have because of the convolutedness of NIL, you know, you have, you know, state laws, you know, Trump basically NCAA rules now, NCAA because of antitrust concerns, they're not going to act on anything, you know, and everyone praying for a federal bill, you know, it's not going to happen and it shouldn't happen. And, and the common denominator that I've heard in all these interviews that have taken place, there's about 15 out there, is that there isn't that much corruption or pay for play that's going on. There have been a few bad scandals that has that has marked NIL, but that's not the overwhelming. The overwhelming is that these collectives and these schools, they have to manage their money. They have to manage this accordingly. They're entrepreneurs, they're business people, they're and they're generally making sound business decisions. The contract situation that you talked about, there isn't a lot, you know, I would like to see in the space more ask, more request for the work. You know, I, I think belt suspenders for the collective, for the school, for the athlete is to have pretty rigorous ask for what you're getting the money for. And, and you know, I think contracts right now, I don't think go into that level of depth. I think over time, they actually will. I think, I think what's interesting, and you point out what it actually looks like at the end of the trail, which is like a, a student athlete signing a a shirt for a kid at a charity event in, you know, Auburn, Alabama. Like that's how it eventually looks. And I think we lose sight of that because of a, a scandal or a headline or, or a story, but eventually it, it's good for pretty much everybody at the end of the day. So you run a business as well, and it needs to be good for the business. So is this allow your subscribers to have better access to getting to know the players earlier? Is it about getting more accuracy in terms of scouting? Is it more accurate in terms of um, telling their stories, just what, what is the value add for your subscribers as a business for on three in terms of, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think everybody does fans. Everybody would agree with everything you're saying. So what is the value then for your business to, to capitalize on, on helping the athletes along, but also how do you help your subscribers through that process? Yeah. So, so for us, this is an immediate play. Okay. So we, we have uh, a pretty large organization around, you know, fan sites and national media, social shows, kind of all the things, media uh, that we're building out. Um, the other apparatus that we're building is we're trying to build the LinkedIn for athletes. And so, you know, it hasn't been done yet. And so we think because we connect with athletes so early in the process, you know, and you have NL that we actually can, can take our player database that we've rudimentary built in the past, that we've built a great start over the first two years, and then start creating a private environment uh, where education, recruiting, commerce, marketplace, deals, group licensing, education, and all the things can live. And so we are very much hot and heavy uh, building our athlete network, uh, which we think will provide tremendous value to athletes and their families that's only for them and has nothing whatsoever to do with the college sports fan. Is, is there a um, leveling out of – all of this, I mean, it, like you said, you, you, a confluence of all these different things. When you mentioned expansion, you mentioned, you know, uh, the bills, Congress, God, God forbid. Um, but what does the end result look like? Is it, I mean, employee gets tossed around a ton, obviously, which is probably never going to happen. But there's a lot of different ways people think it's going to end, right? Is what is the level set at the end of it when when we get to this point where it kind of calms down and we understand it more and we function better inside of it all? Like how, how does, what does that look like in your, in your mind? Well, it's going to have to end in a form where power five to a degree, not all power five as we know it today, but power five football and basketball are part of a different division and a different group than the rest of the NCAA. There's no other model that, that works. Uh, whether these athletes are employees or subcontractors, employment would really be bad for the athletes for all the reasons. Um, I have, I've spoken to most of the conference commissioners. We've done our own analysis. We feel the average school value an athlete receives right now is $135,000 a year through scholarships, um, board, room and board, perks, and indirect expenses. So there's a whole lot of scenarios there. So I think where this ends up is you're going to see – the revenue generating sports, which there's only really one, and there's two in some markets, they're going to have to compete 
at a different level. And I think what you're going to see is the athletes that work, that play in those sports. I use the term work um, there as a slip, but probably actually a good choice. Um, I think you're going to see them under media rights deals. And, and right now, by our math, um, 9% of the school's athletic budget in the form of scholarships, financial aid, perks, indirect expenses, 9% goes to the, goes to the student athlete, 42% goes to, to the coaches, the admins, and severance. The number's way too low. And so we're going to end up looking where those athletes are going to get to participate in the media rights deals in the future. It's just when is it going to happen? I mean, there's, there's so many things going on right now, and at the same time, so little that's actually going on. Do you think, quickly on a different subject, and we'll, and we'll let you go here, but do you think that you're more accurate, the business of scouting high school recruits is more accurate today than, say, 01, 05, 2010, 2015, whatever? Mathematically, we're incredibly um, better. And I'll, I'll tell you, there's a couple of reasons. Um, the first reason is that the coaches, the head coaches, the Kirby Smarts, the all the influence, influential coaches today – grew up in our family of brands. And so the relationships that that we work with now are really, really deep. They run deep. And so we really get great information from them, and we know who's to be trusted as a DB uh, scout, who's a running back scout. So we have great intel. The second is, and I'm not to try to sound like there is a guy, but our head of scouting who was who who worked with Barton Simmons – at 24-7, and, and is really – Charles Power is the greatest – I think he's one of the greatest scouts of all time. Now, everyone has misses, but when you go back and look at the data that he produced at 24-7 and the work he's doing it on three, we put out rankings before everyone. We put out rankings that are categorically different than everyone else, and we have all these spreadsheets. The industry moves – to Charles's rankings. It's a fact. And I think I think there's a lot of factors. I think it will continue to get more more accurate. Think of the video, the relationships, and then just there's more talent in the space. Um, will you go on record and say that it was your idea or a team idea that 24-7 got the composite idea from Athlon Sports? Uh, you know, I don't know that I ever saw it. So if I if I if I cheated that from Athlons, it's very possible. No, it's it was from me actually. Um, I, I brought Rivals Scout Prep Star. I don't know if you remember Prep Star, and ESPN. And I put them all together, and they were in the magazine as a very rudimentary composite for about six years. And then the, the composite came out with much better tech and much smarter people. I'll just I, I will admit. Let me say this. First of all, I've come up with a lot of great ideas over the years. And none of them have ever been really mine. So um, so that actually falls in line. Second is I think the composite's one of the best things that ever happened in the ranking process as it relates to recruiting. And, and you talk about accuracy. I think, you know, it 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 really it creates this regional shield, you know, because what you really saw early on, I don't think you see it as much now, some of the services were better at certain regions than they were others. But congratulations. Um, what I would do, I think you should reach out to 24-7 and, and uh, ask, for, ask for a fee. Thank you, Shannon. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. It's great. That was Shannon Terry, uh, CEO of On3. And Steve, I think one of the, the mo most interesting quotes for me personally to take from that interview was essentially he just said, I, I – this is going to have to end in a new division of football. Uh, he said that athletes are making around the value of around $135,000 a year, that they're making roughly 9% of the revenue that happens at the highest levels in the Power 5 schools, and that they are going to be part of media rights deals moving forward. And then he kind of slipped up and said, work instead of play sports, and then actually just kind of leaned into it and said, no, this is actually more appropriate. It's going to be work, not play. Nick Saban, meanwhile, and Destin said this week, while he does not believe college athletics is a business, I don't understand how that's a thing, but that the players should unionize. And, and so I, I, I don't know when Shannon Terry and Nick Saban I, agree on something, I, I think you should probably listen. The most interesting thing I, I took out of that was because, because I've been trying to figure out sort of like on three's placement here and, and sort of 
within this new world. Uh, he had a he had a line in there about about being the LinkedIn uh, of, of of athletics here, and that that to me is fascinating and puts them in the middle of these things in a way that what what you would call a traditional media company it, it has never been in in the middle of it. It's much more of a B two B sort of by by B two B I mean business to business and, and business to business publications typically work in the revenue model has has much more to do with kind of the the end user and and marketing to that end user as opposed to kind of you know, advertising and and kind of wide mass appeal I, i'm fascinated now to sort of think about on three in this way and and what does this mean if they truly become like the linkedin of if they truly were to become like the linkedin of, of college athletics i mean the implications here for like their relationship in the portal are amazing. And, and and I don't know. I mean, there's certainly some kind of conflicts in there, but, but it's also completely different than, than, than what you would think of as a traditional media operation. Uh, Shannon Terry is many things, um, but dumb is not one of them. Unsuccessful is not one of them. And th- there's clear. And, and that's why I asked, I said, well, how, you you guys have to run a business. What What is the end, mo- end business here? And he kind of even started the conversation with but like when we were launching a media company, we wanted it to be a different type of media company. So it feels like there's two branches of the company. They, they do have traditional recruiting websites, which is the same play he ran at 24-7 and Rivals. They went and got VolQuest, I think, right? Like they went and got Brent Hubs and VolQuest. That is the same thing they did at the, at the previous stop. But there's this whole other world, and it's because of all the, the, the market forces and the changes in the sport that there's clearly an opening for... It almost feels like a, a gathering spot for advertisers, athletes, coaches, schools, etc., Whatever you want, they want to put everybody into the same room together, for lack of a better term, and make their cut, I guess. And I, I think there's tremendous value there. Obviously, he agrees. And it'll be fascinating to see what that looks like. Is it a clearinghouse for NIL advertising dollars slash partners to go to athletes? Is it schools that want to go through and not use collectives? Is it collectives coming into that space? I, how does it look? How does it function? It, it's... Well, be really interesting well and, I, and, I, and I think from a business perspective, the thing that's really interesting is, is that we don't know exactly how much money is going to be ultimately in this space. Nobody does. You know, we're in the we're in the early days of it. But inserting yourself into that space gives you the opportunity to potentially be paid somewhere. I mean, they're certainly getting paid now. And, and, and but the potential to have pieces of this along the way is really, really fascinating for me. If they are, in fact, if they either unionize or become employees or, you know, um, become part of media rights deals, as he sort of, uh, as Saban and and Shannon have kind of presented this week, there will have to be some sort of players association. And if they are a part of that players association in some way, shape or form, that is where it will be incredibly lucrative, minus... Minus all the access to the the players themselves being able to then take that and turn it into content for all their subscribers, which is I think the simplest play, right? Like the more they've got, they had they had a bunch of athletes. Dylan Raiola, the number one player, was walking around. Like I saw all the a bunch of four and five star players walking around, and they were doing interviews with a bunch of various media outlets in town. Some of them local kids, some of them Tennessee commits, you know, whatever. And so what they what they're getting is they're getting a ton of access to these recruits, all expenses paid, as he mentioned, to Nashville. So then they can take that. That's really high quality storytelling and content that they can then take to their subscribers and say, look, this is what you get when you subscribe to on three. Oh, by the way, we're also in this other space help helping to kind of I don't exactly like you said, what does the relationship exactly look like inside of that room, that LinkedIn room that he's talking about? So it should be very, very interesting to see what happens. The, the other interesting thing that that uh, Shannon said that, that I found I found really intriguing was the the idea that these athletes at, at a younger and younger age are getting some idea of kind of what their financial power is and most importantly kind of like how to manage manage those finances there's there's been a lot written about like for instance that age of nba athletes when sal when salary cap exploded in the in the you know in the late 90s early aughts and you had, you know, just kind of cautionary tale after cautionary tale of of these athletes that are, are very young athletes, 
uh, some straight out of high school who kind of blew through their money and 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 were done. And it seems like, and then there was a shift towards literacy, so that now that when particularly on the NBA side, but also in the also on the NFL side, you see, you know, these twenty-two year olds coming into a league with a level of preparedness and awareness that you know that that generations before them did not have. It seems like that window is being shifted from that kind of like late college period to. Yep to that kind of late high school period and kids are going to get more and more sort of aware of what their financial power is and how to manage it. That, that's a perfect segue because Grant is going to talk exactly yep. about all this stuff. Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri head coach was down in Destin this week um, saying a lot of things. He was on the fine bomb show, I believe yesterday on Wednesday saying that I want to, I don't quote me on this friend of the show, Paul, Paul Feinbaum, <laughs> former guest. Um, I want to say and again, don't quote me on the number because I didn't have it in front of me, but I want to say it's something like 71, 70-ish plus percent of athletes that get out of the NBA and the NFL are broke five years after leaving the sport. And he was kind of criticized for some of his comments this week about my brother-in-law is a pediatrician and he's like helping to save kids' lives and he makes less money than some of these kids. And the 25 or 30 kids that were at this event in Nashville at the Thompson Hotel, no free shouts, go to Jaspers, they, they were... I mean, we're when you talk about the highest level athletes, you are talking about someone worth four, five, six hundred thousand dollars, seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand dollars over four years. This is a two hundred thousand dollar a year proposition. It will level set at some point. It's not going to be thirteen million or eight million for allegedly for Nico. It's not. It's not going to be those type of numbers. It will come down. But it is Eli's main point, which I think was taken out of context, is we are going to be handing a whole lot more money to very young individuals, how can we help them manage that to the best of their abilities? And right. that is what we're going to talk about with Grant Furkin coming up in just a second. But we do have to tell everybody, don't drink mint juleps. But if you do, go to Jasper's to do it. This is, um, uh, again, among your worst takes ever. Wor worst? Okay, give me a give me a food hot take. Because you don't like pickles, I think that's a pretty hot take. But there, I've I've met other humans that don't like pickles. Give me something, Steve Cavendish, food critic, that is a, a superfood hot take that something you don't like at all that everyone else in the world loves. There's got to be something. I don't like mint juleps. You don't like me I for mean, that. That's I mean, I'll I'll eat most anything. I mean, I'll try I'll try most anything. I'm not a big raw guy. Like for instance, if you put like a crudite a crudite platter in front of me here, you know, with a lot of like raw cauliflower and, and carrots and whatever else i'm i thought it was i thought it was avocado and salsa on a crudite plate but that's maybe i'm mistaken <laughs> that's only if you're running for pennsylvania senate <laughs> um you, you don't love i love i love carrots celery broccoli dip pepper fresh peppers sliced up into some ranch yeah, dip I'm oh just, yeah baby it's, it's just not but it's just not my thing i came so slowly to like i didn't eat salads until i was at, like well into my like late 20s that's not a surprise no, not a surprise <laughs> at all. But the no, I, I just I you know raw like kind of like the it's more of a texture thing for me than anything else. And all right, let, let me. What so about new. like uh, tuna tartare? No, oh, oh my god, I love it. That's raw, amazing, delicious. Well, I was gonna say, what about like steak? <laughs> what about oysters? Raw oysters, like on the hot. Love shop. oysters. So you so it's just like it's just but, the vegetables I, you have I, a vendetta against. I mean, but I came to I I, I came to oysters. Kind of later in life, and, and same thing with, like with sushi. I'm a, I'm a huge sushi fan, but it took somebody taking me out to like a really nice sushi place and looking at me saying, "What do you mean you don't eat sushi?" And I'm like, "I don't, I don't, I don't do the, I don't do the raw stuff." And it, and they were like, "I'm gonna take you to a place, yeah, and I'm gonna buy dinner, and if you hate it, that's fine. It's on me. I have paid for your meal. If you love it, we'll split the check, and we split the check because yeah, it yeah. was awesome." Go to Jasper's, by the way, um, where I'm not sure if they have any of this I don't stuff. think they have sushi on the menu. <laughs> but go to Jasper's. Uh, first of all, uh, I will say, how late in life are we talking? Like like 45 or like 25? Uh, sushi, 30. Okay, that, um, that's, a, that's a little bit later than normal. I, but like not many seven-year-olds are eating steak tartare, tuna tartare, and sushi and, and raw oysters. So I would say most of us come to those foods, you know, maybe at the earliest teenage years, maybe. Is that fair? Like... I, I came. I came to oysters about in, when I was in college. My dad was working in Puerto Rico, and 
Uh, I went down to visit him, and he took me to an oyster place. Much like you, I needed like really high level to understand it. And we went to an oyster place in San Juan, like when I was like nineteen or twenty years old, where I could drink, <laughs> and had like the best oysters I've ever had. And I was like, "Oh, these are amazing!" And and I've been obsessed with oysters for you know twenty plus years now. But I definitely wasn't eating raw oysters at like eleven or sushi. No, 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 no. I went to Japan when I was seventeen years old and well, did not did not like the sushi that I had in Japan. In Japan, <laughs> oh wow. Well, uh, you know, part of it is la- you know we're landlocked, and so. Access to high quality seafood in in this area has has only been in the last fifteen to twenty years that you were getting it consistently. Now some people have always got you know have always had providers that, that got them good good product, but you you can get a lot of that now My, uh, in, in ways in ways that you never could before. And, and this brings us all back to Jasper's, of course, with the free parking, the great menu. But the the first thing I ever ate at Jasper's, and still on the menu today, and still I think the best possibly the best menu item on the on the on there. The shrimp and goodies, it is four or five big old shrimp on top of a deliciously spicy potato salad and a, and like an arugula thing with like capers and avocado. And like you mix it all together into this. It's like the greatest seafood potato salad you've ever had in your entire life. It is unique. It is delicious. It's got a little heat to it. It's got a little protein. It's not. It's pretty healthy. It's delicious. Absolutely delicious. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Go to Jasper's. All right. Here was my conversation with Grant Ferking, of course, former Tennessee volunteer walk-on and former business owner who is now going to give you the perspective of the athlete as it pertains to NIL. A lot of really important uh, thoughts from him. So here was my conversation this week again at the NIL Elite Series from On3, my conversation with Grant Ferking. What called you into getting into this particular space where it comes to financial literacy, the business of college athletics, recruiting, like what, just tell us how, how you got into all this in the first place. Super unique. And, you know, we talked two years ago kind of on my story and how I was kind of first entering into the NIL era. It was literally, I think we talked in the first week of July in 21 when, when, you know, NIL took place, um, you know, literally on July 1st. And, um, you know, it's a super unique, I've ever since I've been an entrepreneur since, you know, 15 years old, um, I've always been passionate about like what made me an entrepreneur and the lessons it was teaching me at such a young age. Right. And like, as I progressed, you know, from 15 to then, you know, 18 and I was, you know, deciding where I was going to go to school, if I was going to play ball or not. And I ended up at Tennessee and obviously that was still well before the NIL era. You know, I, I wasn't able to ever say in the same sentence, you know, CEO of Metro and then also, you know, being a, a Tennessee student athlete, like I would have lost all my eligibility. Like Tennessee was one of our biggest customers and like the amount of, you know, conflict of interest paperwork we had to go through just to like make sure I could like be eligible the next year. Like there's just all sorts of hurdles. You know, if you want to write an article on me, like you had to fill waivers out and stuff. And so like it taught me like, man, like if there ever comes a time where I can actually speak about what I do and not in the sense for, you know, to gain profit or like as a marketing move, like you know, your average Vol fan here in my story isn't our customer. Like we were dealing with commercial clients. Like my, my defense always at the NCA was like, I'm not trying to get rich off this. Like, I just like, some of these people want to hear my story and like, I want to go out on the road like I do now and speak at, you know, business colleges. And I want to go speak in front of groups and share my story about like how you can be an entrepreneur at a young age and play a sport at the same time and all the things. And so when July 1st came around, I was like, man, like, sure. It's cool to like be able to share my story and how I've been, you know, balancing, you know, being an entrepreneur and, um, and, you know, play in sport at the same time, but it was like the principles and the, the values that it taught me, like the financial literacy piece, like how many of my teammates I saw get their scholarship check every week and just blow it. Like, and then literally like I was a walk on not getting paid and like, you know, they, they would get their monthly check and like be asking me for money the next week. And I'm like, dude, like I saw you just blow it all on Friday night. Like if you really need to help, you know, pay rent, then like that should be a priority, you know? And so like it, all these lessons kind of started spinning through my head to be like, man, like once these guys are making real money now in the NIL era, aside from just their $1,500 a month stipend check they get from the school, like let's teach them real lessons, financial literacy, brand building, how to carry yourself different. Like you're 18 years old, you're an elite athlete. Now you're making money. You got to hold yourself to a higher standard. Like, what does that look like? Um, you know, you guys, you know, if you're making money in May, you got to pay taxes on that next April. Like, so you better, you're, you know, you're a 1099 guy, you better, you know, keep enough money to pay that tax bill, you know, 11 months from now. Like that was all stuff that 
you know, the, the, the school helped with, but like at the same time, guys weren't out there asking, you know, for guidance and assistance from the institution. They would just kind of come to the guy in the locker room. It's their buddy. Right. And so I found myself, you know, kind of getting into this era just naturally by helping out my teammates was kind of on the, the verge of having an exit plan of selling my company. And uh, Shannon, I've obviously known for, for, you know, a long time. We've had a lot of mutual national connections. And he called me as like, great, you know, you know, I'm about to start on three. It's right, you know, kind of at the intersection of, you know, what I've always done with rivals in 24-7. But now I have like transfer portal going wild. I have NIL. Like this thing had a lot of opportunities to go a bunch of different places from a media company, from a B2B company, like in all different ways. And so um, I, I came on, uh, we had a bunch of discussions and I came on in August of 21, just kind of leading, you know, NIL initiatives and NIL education and, um, you know, kind of just being a public figure out on the roads, you know, speaking on behalf of the brand, sharing my story. Um, and then actually the, just this past year, I sold Metro fully. Um, I was, you know, partially sold out of it. And, uh, you know, I was like, Shannon, we have, Shannon and I have all sorts of, of, of plans of what we want to do together. Um, you know, on three, um, plus plus of, of like where this company goes. Um, but you know, the, the thing that's just super cool is like when we put on an event, like we're at right now with this elite series, like this is what I've always wanted to do. Like these are the 30 top recruits in the class. Every single one of these guys in here is going to make five, six figures in NIL money. Like no one's educating that group until they land on a college campus. We have a chance to educate them you know, before they even step foot on the field their senior year of high school. And to get them all in the same room, all expenses paid for a trip to Nashville, showcase this city, but also, you know, bring in folks like Olivia Dunn, Kirk Herbstreet, you know, Meta flying in from California, Vaynerchuk coming in from New York, like all those folks to come and talk to a group. And there's not going to be more than 100 people in that room tomorrow. Closed door, very special group. Um, it, it just makes me proud that these kids are wanting to come and these parents are wanting to come and learn and understand so they can help their son make a wise choice and where he decides to go play for the next three or four years so i think there's a lot of obvious questions that parents recruits uh friends and family are asking and yeah. you have a very unique perspective to offer uh, when they ask when they ask those questions you have a unique perspective considering your business background and your athletic background but what, what are the things that fans don't know about like what are the things that are being asked what are the concerns what are the questions what are the the, the hurdles that maybe the average guy sitting in his couch on saturday watching the game who is quick to make a judgment about all this stuff what is that person not seeing in that conversation? Exactly what you just said. I think people are quick to make judgments on it. And I think some of the people who were making early judgments on it have maybe walked back on them. I know a few people that have because a lot of the headlines you see out there, NIL destroying locker rooms, fights about deals, you know, guys being held out of games. Like you've seen that, you know, as, as recently as, you know, a few months ago in games. Like being in the locker room, like that stuff's not happening. Like if, if, you're, if you're an elite guy, an elite recruit and you come and it's rumored that you're making all this money. First of all, it's better now that it's so, so publicized. Usually when everything was under the table, you know, for the last however many years in college football, you never really knew. It was always rumored, hey, but you never really knew. So if a guy was trash or not handling stuff off the field, like, hey, that guy's really making that much money. Well, you know, he says he is, I don't know if it's true. Well, now it's like public. And so if a guy's not handling his business, he's likely not going to be there next year. Either he's going to go in the portal because his life's miserable. You know, the coach are going to be like, hey, dude, you're never going to play here. Right. And so it just kind of takes care of itself. Right. Same thing. Like if you showed up and, you know, never came to work on time or you never handled your business, like you're probably not going to be working for that company next year. Right. And so like all to say, I think people are starting to realize that like, sure, these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids with a bunch of money. They're going to make stupid decisions. You know, five, six years ago, I was making probably dumb decisions at 18 years old. I'm sure you probably made some that you regret at that age too, right? And so yeah, it's Big Mama's Karaoke Cafe on Alcoa Highway, exactly. but that's neither here nor there. No doubt. But I uh, like I think that's why kids have, you know, started realizing, man, I got to handle myself different. And now, you know, these people that had these narratives on what NIL was and what was going to be are like, man, like sure, there's always going to be stuff that's bad with it. That's just natural. It's always going to be like that. But the amount of positivity we've seen with kids starting nonprofits, giving back, like all the things that can be done good with it, how to manage money at a young age. Like there's a bunch of life principles and just values that teaches that like we're going to preach to these kids too who are making substantive money. Olivia Dunn's made you know, over $3 million and she's going to go up there and say, hey, you know, here's what's important. Her mom's going to be up there on stage. Like here's what I, you know, help my daughter live through here's how I helped guide her like she was in the spotlight she still is more than anyone like how do I parent her through this I think there's a lot of life lessons and guidance that can be taught to these kids and their parents who are going to be here tomorrow I think what's interesting is 
because the coaches, not because of the money, I, you know, we all know what the money is, but the coaches have the, the pulpit. Like yeah. they have control of the microphone. And so, so often the athletes, particularly once they sign, aren't allowed to have much of a voice. NIL is giving them some of that. Yeah. Media changing, technology changing is giving them some of that. Yeah. Um, is there a need to sort of counterbalance? I mean, the SEC coaches, as we are sitting here down in Destin saying, just say, you know, saying all kinds of things about all kinds of stuff. Right. So is there a, a do we need to balance that out with what the athletes have to say more? Because obviously that's always been how the structure has worked. Yeah, no, I think it's unique. And I think, you know, every coach has a different perspective on NL each season based on how their previous season went and how their fundraising efforts are going, right? Like if you're winning and people are giving money, NIL is the greatest thing, right? Like I'm getting recruits, I'm getting transfers. Everyone's happy on Rocky Top. Everyone's happy in Athens. He's like, until it's not. Right. And then it's man, like we can't go up against our development office and fundraise, you know, then like that becomes an argument. And so, you know, I think, I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, like everyone is so anxious about NIL and kind of what you can do with money. And I think the, a lot of these collectives are out there saying, look, you know, you as a donor, you can go give money to, you know, the development office and see a brand new stadium, you know, erect in 10 years, or you can give money to us and we can go win games next year. Right. We can go get guys out of the portal. We can go recruit. And so I think that argument is starting to resonate to be like, you know, we're all pushing the same direction. Some schools are going to be splitting dollars. Some schools, you know, you have enough people out there to be like, hey, you've been given five. I'll give 10 now. You know, you know, if we're going to win football games, I want to sit up there in my suite and watch us win some damn football games, you know. And so I think, you know, it, I think everything's going to work out. And we talked about, you know, the counterbalance of everything, kind of what the argument is like at the same time these college coaches say these things, you know, they're going to be preaching a whole new argument next year, you know, based on how this next season goes, right? And so all to say, like, I, I'm just a firm believer in all these things, you know, and kind of a free market always just kind of work themselves out. You know, you're either going to, you're going to sink or you're going to swim, right? And, you know, of, of course, there's all sorts of pieces that aid in what happens in that regard. But, you know, the college football coach in, in a state like Tennessee or a state like Georgia's, you know, if they're winning games, it's probably more powerful than the governor, right? So if there's stuff that needs to get done on a state-by-state -state basis, federal stuff's not going to come for a, ever if it's not going to come for a long time, right? NCA is, you know, fighting for their life right now. And so, you know, are they going to make, you know, their mark known with new leadership to, to come in and have some sweeping NIL changes after it was, you know, wide open like i don't know that they want to do that so it's going to come to a state-by-state -state basis and just like in anything i mean it, it's going to become competition if if you know if some state's doing something the next one's going to match it all right we'll let you go uh thank you so much but um have you ever lost any skin catching a football from joe milton um no i don't think so because i think i just dropped it i don't even think it like touched my hands that i know seriously i mean that guy first of all one of my best friends um beyond incredible dude um, he's gonna have so much success him, you know, being under Hendon's wing for the last two years, Hendon kind of molding and sculpting him to, to what he is today. Um, a more mature version of what you saw, you know, 18 months ago when, when he let off and, uh, you know, I, I'm so excited for them because between hype and, you know, all the, all the guys over there and kind of them being around and being in, in that offense for now, you know, coming up on the third season, like, I'm just so excited for him to finally like let it rip and all the prep and, you know, guidance he's gotten from guys like Hendon over the last two years to go out and actually showcase that. And I like for, I know like there's not a more proud person out there that's excited to go and watch Joe than Hendon. Like it, it's a special bond. You know, I love Joe. I love Hendon. Like so proud of those guys. And like, I just can't wait to them go see him rip it right here in Nashville. First game. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, sir. Yeah. Thank you. All right, that was Grant Furking from, I guess, on three now since he sold his company and no longer works uh, at his um, landscaping company. He's no longer an athlete in college. He is now partnered up with Shannon Terry and on three and a lot of really interesting stuff in there. What is your, after the, the Furking interview here, what is your sort of perspective on athletes and locker rooms and and sort of the idea because because this has been floated out there among among uh, NIL critics for a couple of years now that that this is um, this is something that could potentially create a caste system within locker rooms and you're going to have you're going to have these you know skill players making millions sure. and 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 you know backup uh you know backup safeties making nothing so i think so he sort of confirmed 
one myth and then destroyed another in that conversation. I think the first thing to remember is that, yes, a lot of these kids are getting their stipend, their, their check, and then just going and like using it up on like Friday night, <laughs> as he said. Like, I would watch you get a check and then it would all be gone on one night and then you'd be coming to me the next week for money. So that that is that that to me, that illustrates the need for education, right? The need for responsible behavior. We are, as he said, we all made mistakes. I made mistakes. We've all made mistakes in college. And if you gave me a bunch of extra money, I probably would have blown it on shit that I shouldn't have bought, bought when I was that age. So it's not I don't think that we should be looking down on people for spending money that they have been given when they're 19 or 18 years old. I think we all would do that. But I think the biggest myth, and I do not understand why it is a thing that people think, truly. Maybe it's specifically just a talking point by coaches and anti the NIL critics. Every single professional locker room is a hierarchy of revenue that we all know openly and publicly who makes what money. Every single time you see a player sit out or hold out, Kevin Byard right now, every single player on the Titans will root for the player who's holding out, not the team. <laughs> they're yeah. not going they're not sitting there going like, "Oh, you got to come down on your price, dude, so that we can get you back in the lineup." No, they're saying get your money. Nick Bosa famously at Ohio State injured his injured got injured in week 2. He was a top 5 draft pick for Ohio State. He's decided to sit out the rest of the season. Ohio State made a playoff push, got into the playoff, and the not one player on Ohio State's team thought that he should come back and risk the injury and risk his potential future revenue to come back and help the t No one had a problem in it, with it at all. In fact, his biggest supporters were the players inside the locker room. H players sitting out bowl games. The biggest supporters of players sitting out bowl games are the players in the locker room who say, no, dude, get ready for the combine, protect your body, get your money. So I, I think the biggest misnomer is that there is some sort of malcontent, cancerous creation of revenue there was already money in the locker room. They just didn't know who was making what. Now everybody knows who's making what. As Grant said, it's better that it's above board and, and that we need to educate people. And that's part of what his goal is, is to create a, 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 a space where they can create brand awareness, financial literacy. Kids are, kids are doing so, much, so many good things with this too, Steve. I think that's the other angle here. Young athletes are creating nonprofits. They are going out and doing things to help in the community. They are helping small businesses. They're interacting with kids they're they're just doing things at the end of the the nil rope is generally like some athlete doing something cool for some local business that and like everybody wins so i, I think there's this very scary ghost chasing that coaches are doing because they're scared of the system but at the end of the day the athletes are looking out for each other and the end result is generally a pretty positive thing for most everybody involved for an athlete that's already in college getting a little bit of cash on the side for doing some NIL stuff. Perking's a really smart guy. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, look at what he built. Kind of, kind of what he while he was in college. Clearly, <laughs> uh, clearly. Why do you think? Why do you think he's doing on three? Well, and and he he talked about that at the beginning of the interview that he is sort of uniquely positioned. Um, again, also, I, I'm not going to be. I, I feel like there's a lot of altruistic motives in this stuff, both Shannon and Grant, that they're. There is a very specific need to help athletes with financial literacy, education, responsible behavior, et cetera. I think that's all really, really good stuff. Athletes have largely in this system, and not not to not to quote good friend of the pod, Stephen Godfrey, but if you have a billion dollar industry with a free labor force, in corruption is inherent. And so they have been largely underrepresented for the entire existence of the sport. And so I think he feels called as a former CEO and a former athlete. He is in a very unique position to understand both sides of it all and to see it and to see where people need help. And of course, to, 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 tie, your, to tie your financial future to Shannon Terry, not always a bad thing. Not always a bad thing. <laughs> not always a bad thing. So I think he sees a, a very specific location in the sport where he has a very specific insight that can allow to help a lot of people. And I think that is and, and make some and make some money and be successful as well. So I think he's you don't launch a multi-million dollar company at 16 years old because you're dumb. OK, right. <laughs> so and of course, and, and, Shannon, and, 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 Shannon doesn't sell two multi-million dollar companies to to Yahoo and CBS because you're dumb. So I, I will be interested to see what else Furking does, because because it seems like it's going it's to come off like on three is a waste of his time. It's not. I, I'm interested to see kind of like what else he builds or what else he kind of does outside of just this space. I think he's really smart to kind of capitalize on this space right now, but it seems like 
he's the kind of guy who's going to capitalize on whatever's in front of him and 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 make them and, and make the most of it you know whether it's a landscaping business when you're 16 or yeah. whether it's this now I, you know I, I hadn't thought about this but i i don't honestly care all that much but i would assume this is not his final stop like you're not going to be at on three for 35 no years, no no not at know? all so uh, but i think but i think in this time where we don't have legislation we don't have uniform laws we don't have rules it is the wild wild west it is this complete chaos of lawyers and athletes and businesses and advertisers and collectives and schools and coaches there is no organizational structure at all and he is very qualified to sort of get in there and and at least create some sort of gravitational center to all of it and i think that's where he has a very that, that is why he would be worth the money and and a very valuable asset to shannon which is why of course he got hired so great <laughs> good 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 talk steve i do love when we get to the end of like a like a really nice bit of analysis there, and and you know I got nothing left to say. I mean, you you you've taken all the words, man. Well, that I wouldn't it wouldn't be the first time I've been accused of taking all the words. So special thanks to Shannon and Grant for giving us some time, uh, and uh, good luck with everything that they're doing. So, what you got for the good people, Steve? So I have a very important question here. <laughs> have you seen the lasso finale? Oh, we have not yet. We have not Come yet. It's, been, it's a short. It's a short week. We were disconnected from the internet for three days. By the way, I recommend no TV, no screens, no phones for three days and hiking in waterfalls in Tennessee. It's one of the best things you'll ever do for your soul. Um, and my two yeah, little but, girls. Yeah, but are don't happy. skip the lasso finale just for that. It's been a short mm-hmm. week. It's been a short week, so we, everything's condensed. We're like a Thursday night flex scheduling this week. Okay, so we've had to get all of our game prep in in a very short period of time. We'll get to it on Friday evening. Why? We have we have much to discuss. We could put this off a week, but god okay. damn it. I mean you need to I, I need you to we have we have I we have am sorry. I have things to say. Uh, well I have things to say. Okay. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, really. All right. All right. Uh check out the Nash uh, check out nationalbanner.com. You got a lot of cool stuff right now, right? Uh we just launched I, I put out a story on Thursday that is about the mayoral forums process and um I talked to a lot of campaign managers on background uh, about some problems with it, and they're exhausted and <laughs> already. Uh, and they don't know how how useful this is for the public. And I think that they could be right in in some respects. But anyway, what we we launched daily coverage of uh, of the elections between now and August, and that was our first piece. We get a, we get another piece out on Friday, looking at kind of like traffic calming and like some some like kind of micro stuff but we got some other big issue pieces out there coming and a lot of notebooks and analysis and it's going to be it's going to be a good ride sign up at nashvillebanner.com give us your email we'll give you stories in your inbox yep i'm getting more stuff off more often and often as you said daily coverage so really good stuff there make sure you check that out make sure you check out all the other great shows from across the 440 sports network fringe element gold standard this week with adam bingen and michael gallagher a ton of breakdown of course of the national predators coaching change that that happened this week we got a football show fringe element all the other great stuff out there club and country doing a great job wes and tim so make sure you check out all the other great shows football and other efforts so we appreciate your support go to jaspers of course we love you jaspers Uh, otherwise everybody out there for have a great weekend for steve i am braden thanks for listening rate review subscribe this has been land sports on the 440 sports network